Chapter 9 of the Life of St. Teresa of Jesus. This is a Discerning Hearts recording, read by Chris McGregor. The Life of St. Teresa of Jesus of the Order of Our Lady of Carmel, written by herself and translated from the Spanish by David Lewis. My soul was now grown weary, and the miserable habits it had contracted would not suffer it to rest, though it was desirous of doing so. It came to pass one day, when I went into the oratory, that I saw a picture which they had put up by there, and which had been procured for a certain feast observed in the house. It was a representation of Christ, most grievously wounded, and so devotional that the very sight of it, when I saw it, moved me. So well did it show forth that which he suffered for us. So keenly did I feel the evil return I had made for those wounds, that I thought my heart was breaking. I threw myself on the ground beside it, my tears flowing plentilously, and implored him to strengthen me once for all, so that I might never offend him any more. I had a very great devotion to the glorious Magdalene and very frequently used to think of her conversion, especially when I went to communion. As I knew for certain that our Lord was then within me, I used to place myself at his feet, thinking of my tears would not be despised. I did not know what I was saying. Only he did great things for me in that he was pleased I should shed those tears, seeing that I so soon forgot that impression. I used to recommend myself to that glorious saint that she might obtain my pardon. But this last time, before that picture of which I am speaking, I seemed to have made greater progress, for I was now very distrustful of myself, placing all my confidence in God. It seems to me that I said to him that I would not rise up until he granted my petition I do certainly believe that this was of great service to me because I have grown better ever since. This was my method of prayer. As I could not make reflections with my understanding, I contrived to picture Christ as within me. And I used to find myself the better for thinking of those mysteries of his life during which he was most lonely. It seemed to me that the being alone and afflicted, like a person in trouble, must needs permit me to come near unto him. I did many simple things of this kind, and in particular I used to find myself most at home in the prayer in the garden, whither I went in his company. I thought of the bloody sweat and of the affliction he endured there. I wished, if it had been possible, to wipe away that painful sweat from his face. But I remember that I never dared to form such a resolution. My sin stood before me so grievously. I used to remain with him there as long as my thoughts allowed me, and I had many thoughts to torment me. For many years, nearly every night before I fell asleep, when I recommended myself to God that I might sleep in peace, I used always to think a little of this mystery of the prayer in the garden, yea, even before I was a nun, because I had been told that many indulgences were to be gained thereby. For my part, I believe that my soul gained very much in this way because I began to practice prayer without knowing what it was. And now that it had become my constant habit, I was saved from omitting it 
as I was from omitting to bless myself with the sign of the cross before I slept. And now to go back to what I was saying of the torture which my thoughts inflicted upon me. This method of praying, in which the understanding makes no reflections, hath this property. The soul must gain much or lose. I mean that those who advance without meditation make great progress because it is done by love. But to attain this involves great labor, except to those persons whom it is our Lord's good pleasure to lead quickly to the prayer of quiet. I know of some. For those who walk in this way, a book is profitable, that by the help thereof they may the more quickly recollect themselves. It was a help to me also to look on fields, water, and flowers. In them I saw the traces of the Creator. I mean that the sight of these things were as a book unto me. It roused me, made me recollected, and reminded me of my ingratitude and of my sins. My understanding was so dull that I could never represent in the imagination either heavenly or high things in any form whatever until our Lord placed them before me in another way. I was so little able to put things before me by help of my understanding that unless I saw a thing with my eyes, my imagination was of no use whatever. I could not do as others do who can put matters before themselves so as to become thereby recollected. I was able to think of Christ only as man. But so it was, and I never could form any image of him to myself, though I read much of his beauty and looked at pictures of him. I was like one who was blind or in the dark, who, though speaking to a person present and feeling his presence, because he knows for certain that he is present, I mean that he understands him to be present and believes it, yet does not see him. It was thus with me when I used to think of our Lord. This is why I was so fond of images. Wretched are they, who through their own fault have lost this blessing. It is clear enough that they do not love our Lord, for if they loved him, they would rejoice at the sight of his picture, just as men find pleasure when they see the portrait of one they love. At this time, the confessions of St. Augustine were given me. Our Lord seems to have so ordained it, for I did not seek them myself, neither had I ever seen them before. I had a very great devotion to St. Augustine, because the monastery in which I lived when I was yet in the world was of his order, and also because he had been a sinner. For I used to find great comfort in those saints whom, after they had sinned, our Lord converted to himself. I thought they would help me, and that as our Lord had forgiven them, so also he would forgive me. One thing, however, there was that troubled me. I have spoken of it before. Our Lord had called them but once, and they never relapsed. Well, my relapses were now so many. This it was that vexed me. But calling to mind the love that he bore me, I took courage again. And of his mercy, I never doubted once. But I did very often of myself. Oh, my God. 
I am amazed at the hardness of my heart amid so many secures from thee. I am filled with dread when I see how little I could do with myself and how I was clogged so that I could not resolve to give myself entirely to God. When I began to read the confessions, I, th I thought I saw myself there described and began to recommend myself greatly to this glorious saint. When I came to his conversion and read how he had heard that voice in the garden, it seemed to me nothing less than our Lord had uttered it for me. I felt so in my heart. I felt so in my heart. I remained for some time lost in tears, in great inward affliction and distress. Oh my God, what a soul has to suffer because it has lost the liberty it had of being mistress over itself, and what torments it has to endure. I wonder now how I could live in torments so great. God be praised who gave me life so that I might escape for so fatal a death. I believe that my soul obtained great strength from his divine majesty and that he must have heard my cry and had compassion upon so many tears. A desire to spend more time with him began to grow within me and also to withdraw from the occasions of sin, for as soon as I had done so, I turned lovingly to his majesty at once. I understood clearly as I thought that I loved him, but I did not understand, as I ought to have understood it, wherein the true love of God consists. I do not think I had yet perfectly disposed myself to seek his service when his majesty turned towards me with his consolations. What others strive after with great labor, our Lord seems to have looked out for a way to make me willingly accept. That is, in these later years, to give me joy and comfort. But as for seeking our Lord to give me either these things or sweetness and devotion, I never dared to do it. The only thing I prayed him to give me was the grace never to offend him, together with the forgiveness of my great sins. When I saw that my sins were so great, I never ventured deliberately to ask for consolation or for sweetness. He had compassion enough upon me, I think, and in truth he dealt with me according to his great mercy. When he allowed me to stand before him and when he drew me into his presence, for I saw that if he had not drawn me, I should not have come at all. Once only in my life do I remember asking for consolation, being at that time in great aridities. When I considered what I had done, I was so confounded that the very distress I suffered from seeing how little humility I had brought me that which I had been so bold to ask for. I knew well that it was lawful to pray for it, but it seemed to me that it, it is lawful only for those who are in good dispositions, who have sought with all their might to attain true devotion, that is not to offend God, and to be disposed and resolved for all goodness." I looked upon those tears of mine as womanish and weak, seeing that I did not obtain my desires by them. Nevertheless, I believe that they did me some service, for especially after those two occasions of great compunction and sorrow of heart, accompanied by tears of which I am speaking, I began in a special way to give myself more to prayer and to occupy myself 
less with those things which did me harm, though I did not give them up altogether. But God himself, as I have just said, came to my aid and helped me to turn away from and helped me to turn away from them. As his majesty was only waiting for some preparation on my part, the spiritual graces grew in me, as I shall now explain. It is not the custom of our Lord to give these graces to any, but to those who keep their consciences in greater pureness.